This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having Jeff Kazmuha coming from Northern California, AMP Venture Partners. He's going to tell us about how to get companies started in our fitness and Halo sector, what to look for, and how we are going to change the world as we come together as a sector. So, Jeff, welcome to Halo Talks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, why don't you start off with your uh, with your personal background and uh, give people uh, a little history on why you know you become an expert in this you know early stage space and and how you help help companies get from uh, point A to point B. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, Amp Venture Partners. Uh, I formed uh, Amp Venture Partners about the end of last year. Um, it was something that was always brewing. Honestly, for it seems like forever. Uh, you know, in the year two thousand moved out of California and uh, I was actually a coach, you know, strength and conditioning coach and uh, also a clinical exercise physiologist. And I believe having that background in, in fitness and nutrition and actually working with athletes as, as well as uh, just, you know, the general population was just learning a lot about business and how fitness and the fitness sector, all the companies there and brands were put together and, and grew, very became profitable. And so as I started to come to Silicon Valley and became entrenched with all the hustle, <laughs> all the sweat, um, the failures and the successes, I uh, learned quite a bit and was able to jump on to a lot of different companies um, and pay attention to what they were missing. You know, what, what were some of their gaps? Like, oh, we really need this. We need some, we need some industry expertise because we have this product that, you know, we want to bring to market, but we really don't know how to do it. Um, and it's for fitness professionals, for example. Um, mm-hmm. so, so having that, uh, the ability to kind of offer my knowledge of li- living it, um, able to kind of help, help those kind of companies. So, what happened was after I had done this long enough and experienced you know, enough failures, which, you know, which is fine with me. That's how you, that's how we learn. Um, I kind of put two and two together and started paying attention and doing a lot of outreach to companies that were willing to, to, you know, talk and talk about their product. And it allowed me a chance to kind of learn what they're doing, you know, what's their vision in terms of the fitness industry and how they can help people. And I drew, I drew a line. And then in that line, I kind of formed AMP, AMP Venture Partners uh, based on uh, Dan Pink's uh, term, uh, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. It's something I live by and um, something I, I strive to achieve in, with the companies I work with. You know, with autonomy, you know, you really want a founder who's able to make those, you know, self-directed critical key decisions. He, he, has, he has that autonomy to do so with, with, without hesitation. Uh, mastery, you know, and he, he or she doesn't necessarily have to be an expert, but as we know, team is important. So do they have a member on their team that actually can provide that industry expertise? And, and the purpose being the fire, you know, like that thing, like when you wake up every morning, like, is it something that you wake up and jump out of bed and you're like so excited to kind of drive through and, and, you know, whatever barriers you face, you're just going to figure it out. And, um, you know, I, I, I live by those three things and those, those are the three things that I, that's why I formed AMP is, is because that's what I look for in those kind of companies. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You talk about, you know, trying things in the past and, and, and failing. I mean, somebody told me one time that the word fail is a first attempt in learning is what that stands for. Um, so, you know, and, and we always use this term, you know, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. So if you or I can bring that experience to someone else and say, hey, look, you know, you're playing this game of, uh, you know, shoots and ladders to come up with like an old school board game, 
you know, let me keep you away from the shoots and, and trying to, you know, highlight where those ladders are, you know, so you can maybe skip a few spaces on, on, on the game. You know, that's kind of the, the key, you know, as you look at companies that, you know, when, when you assess, okay, you know, you're in the right place, but you haven't really identified the frustration that you're solving. You know, maybe that goes towards your point about, you know, mastery of whatever the solution that the company is trying to provide. I think some people in our industry come in from the outside and say, Hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I did this, but like, no one's actually, you're not solving anyone's pain point. You might be like the equivalent of um, adding like a bell or whistle to like a Christmas tree. So how, how do you think about that? And how do you, you know, politely advise someone that that's a really cool idea, but it's, it's not something that is going to resonate with fitness professionals. So kind of leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, it's very subjective to be honest. The first thing I will always look at it in terms of a, what is a product and you know, what, what is it doing? I often ask myself a question, like, would I use that? You know, one of the first companies I started kind of helping was called the lifestyle social based out of Denver. And it was kind of like a, kind of like a CRM model in a sense, but, but with exercise prescription and nutrition counseling, it kind of did a little bit of everything to be honest, which was kind of intriguing at the time is, you know, quite a while ago, but one of my friends was a, you know, investor with Kleiner Perkins. And so we, we, uh, arranged a meeting, we pitched to him and, uh, he, he turned to me and was like, Jeff, uh, would you, would you use this? And I had a long pause. I'm like, I don't, and I thought to myself, I don't think I would. And it was dawned to me then, like as a as an advisor and a consultant and how I work with companies, that it's essential for me to be the cheerleader, a, a champion, a voice of compassion with the the founders, to which I'm able to kind of help steer them in the right direction, based on me feeling as though this is something I really really want to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, I, I kind of want to make sure that it's clear that, you know, when I work with companies in particular, that this is something that I'm very passionate about. I really believe in, you know, co- companies like Carbon Trainer and Holodia, you know, th- those kind of companies that I really feel like in the future, these have a, a big footprint that's ready for them. Um, and so when, when, a, when a company is coming out with a product that doesn't just quite seem like fit per se, um, I, I just, I, I'm just brutally honest with them. That's, that's, that's simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with being brutally honest and telling them how it is. I mean, they, they, they have their vision and I totally respect that. I, I respect every person that I speak to, every founder out there in the world. Like if they're doing something, you know, kudos to them. Um, but I don't necessarily want it to um, put out their fire. But what I want to do is say, hey, I, I understand what you're doing. I understand where you want to go. But in order for us to get to this we have to reach this milestone and this milestone and this milestone first. Okay. So let's, 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 let's approach this one first. So I try to like, just be very humble and very compassionate about how we approach things, um, achieving one milestone after another. I mean, that's an interesting point. Just, uh, you know, a couple of comments there. Um, I used to work at an investment bank and they wanted me to do what I love to do, which is, you know, health, fitness, halo related companies. And they said, Hey, can you spend, you know, half of your time doing, uh, industrial, nanotechnology and pumps and valves because there's a lot of consolidation i'm like to be honest with you like i don't know i don't care about that at all 
<laughs> I mean, it's great. I'm glad it's out there and that somebody's doing it, but like, I'm not going to get excited about it. And if I'm not excited about it, I don't know if that, if I'm going to have enough inertia to, to push a deal through. So I love the fact that you say, you know, as, as a hurdle to you actually helping company, a company and for taking on a client that you actually have to believe in the product itself. And I think if more advisors and banks and, you know, even accountants and lawyers, like if you don't understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, then it's going to be hard for you to help me make a business decision. If you don't really get the product that I'm providing. And then the other point just to bring up because a funny story several years ago, Dave and I, Dave, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a guy at our old uh, Colo who was pitching me on this like restaurant, healthy restaurant concept in like downtown Detroit. And he went on and on and he's telling me how awesome it's going to be. And, uh, and I'm like, Hey, where do you live in Detroit? He's like, no, dude, I live in Tribeca. I'm like, I'm like, dude, if you don't live where this thing is going to be, like, it's probably not going to be what you think it is. So like at the end of the conversation, I just assumed that he lived in Detroit, right? He's like pitching me on this great concept that he's going to do multi-unit, you know, roll out and like, and I'm like, Hey, where do you live down there? He's like, no, man, I don't live there. So I was just like, all right, that, that kind of ended the conversation. So I think in these early stage companies, you know, I agree with you. You kind of need to be an evangelist. You almost have to surround yourself with other evangelists with that maybe will help you put a little bit of a governor or maybe like a box around what your idea is because you have experience. So when you look at companies and say, Hey, look, you guys have something here, you know, you got a piece of clay let me help you kind of mold it. You know, what, what role do you play through AMP venture partners? So people understand what your you know mission is and, and what your product, your deliverables are. Um, you know, I kind of, you said the word evangelist, and I think that's kind of like what I try to, to become. Um, one of my good friends, uh, his name is Chris McCaskill, and uh, he's a longtime Silicon Valley kind of successful entrepreneur, uh, kind of rolled, rolled through uh, Silicon Valley as an evangelist. And, you know, he came out, uh, uh, he, and he, by the way, if you ever have a chance to kind of look him up and hear, hear some of his, his TED Talks and stuff, it's, it's incredible, incredible guy. But he came out here with a, with a, you know, small family and ended up with no, you know, with no money, took on a job working um, with Steve Jobs uh, at uh, Next and um, continued to work with him at a very high level. And he ended up being an evangelist with Steve Jobs. And I've heard some just crazy stories about like how, (laughs) you know, how Steve Jobs was and, you know, what Chris's uh, role was as an evangelist to kind of help, you know, Steve really take next to where it uh, was, but ultimately some people feel like it, it was a failure of his, but it really, honestly, it wasn't, not by any means. Um, but I've learned a lot about how Chris is sort of like became successful using his, the, like a launch pad through, through next and built his career going from company to company and selling a couple here and there. And what I've learned is like, when you go and become an evangelist, uh, as I said earlier, you kind of have to be a champion. You kind of got to be a, a cheerleader and you got to be that like compassionate voice. Um, so for me to kind of come into these companies and, and be an evangelist, you know, again, I'm going to make sure that I'm really passionate about this, this product. And, and I feel firmly that this is something that the, the industry needs. Um, then I'm going to come on, I'm going to learn a crazy amount of information about it um, to the point if I, you know, even if I can get my hands on it as well, and to just just play around and experiment with it, um, and knowing more about that is going to allow me the ability to kind of 
you know, go and pitch it, pitch it to strategic partners, uh, to investors. Um, so I have a lot of close friends who are investors in this industry. And the last thing I want to be able to do is kind of go up to them and say, Hey, you should check out this product. Like, well, what does it do? Like, well, I don't want want to skirt around the issue and sound like, you know, I'm just jump mumbling words and stuff. I really need to understand, uh, what it is. So I'll work very closely with the, with the founders, um, just so that I can align their vision with my understanding so that I can go out and create these certain milestones. Um, yeah. So let me ask you a question because we, we get this um, probably way too often and my response is sometimes direct and sometimes it's not direct. I'll have someone call me up and like, uh, you know, it'll be a friend of a friend and they'll, and they'll call up and they'll say, hey man, can you get me into Equinox? Can you get me to like the CEO of Orange Theory? And I'm like, like one, slow down. Two, you know, maybe that's actually not the right place to start. Like, let's go get some wins somewhere else and not like go into like a large company and, you know, find out that one, it's going to be a 12 to 24 month sales cycle to even like get a beta. And two, you know, you don't have the infrastructure to support that size account. And three, they just like, it's not one of the top five pain points for them right now. So how do you kind of think about, Hey, look, I'm going to help you get to milestone a milestone a isn't necessarily like landing an elephant. Milestone a is like, you know, killing an ant. And then let's kind of move up the, the food chain of, you know, the, the, the pecking order of, you know, hunting. How, how do you think about that? Exactly what you said. Um, you get, I, get, I mean, I get those calls all the time. Like, hey, I want to, you know, we have this awesome product. It's be perfect for Equinox, uh, you know, Anytime Fitness, you know, you name it, right? And it's like, uh, okay, uh, well, what do you do, right? Um, and, 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 I, and I get it. Like, they want to they make a big splash, but unfortunately, in order to make a big splash, it's going to take a lot of little splashes. So instead of focusing all your time and energy, and, and which is probably going to drive you crazy to try to connect to somebody like at Equinox, for example, let's focus on some smaller players, somebody who has uh, a more of a, a drive to, to develop these strategic partnerships, somebody who uh, has the, the vision, per se, to kind of work with compatible people um, and, and you know, integrate some stuff. Uh, as I talked with you guys earlier about playing in the sandbox, I really believe like the fitness industry in itself is going to come down to a lot of big players learning how to play well with others and play with, in that sandbox together. Unfortunately, as you get big, like, you know, say Peloton, you know, they don't really care. You know, why, why, why do they care to, to play in the sandbox with some smaller company that can offer like some sort of, you know, an ad value, but maybe it's not something that they really want, are concerned about right now. Like somebody like mm-hmm. a Thera, like a Theragun, like does, do they really need to pay attention to like, you know, compression recovery, you know, maybe they could, but probably not. So, yeah, but, but four years ago when they were running around, you know, Ursa with a 10 by 10 trade show booth and, you know, selling uh, inventory kind of, you know, because they didn't want to schlep it back to their headquarters. Like back then they were nobody, you know, and now they're, you know, a hundred plus million dollar revenue business. So uh, I get your point. It's almost like you forget where you came from, but you weren't that far away from, you know, that phase one, you know, version one product launch. You know, that wasn't like 10 years ago. That was like 36 months ago. And I, and I think too, uh, like if you look at the companies, you know, in the early stage, you're really trying to have that product market fit. And then you're trying to have that, you know, proof of concept, product market fit, and you kind of get that. And once you can establish that, then you're, then you're definitely looking for like scalable opportunities. And 
I think that's like, for me, that's like where I like to come in, the bread and butter where, okay, you're looking for scalable opportunities. Let's start to develop these strategic partners. Um, but let's not go after like the behemoths, you know, let's not go after Peloton because and Tonal and like all these other companies, but you know, maybe somebody smaller who's up and coming like a carbon trainer, for example, who I work with, you know, there, there's opportunities there to which you can get into the connected fitness market or whatever market you wanted to do to, to gain, you know, more subscribers and, and grow, you know, exponentially that way. So when you say that, I mean, obviously everybody, you know, goes to URSA, you know, we're, we're friends with URSA and we're an URSA member. Um, I don't think, and I probably, they would agree or whether I'm going to go on record for saying this, I don't think we did a great job of an industry to ensure that our businesses, one were, you know, available to get PPP money in the level that they should, or had a large enough voice, you know, to be included in reopenings and to actually use the data and statistics to support that our businesses are actually safe places to be. You know, I, I feel like that, that was a big, that's a problem that, that's, you know, been addressed now or sh- shown light on. So when you talk about companies kind of getting together, are there any other sectors that you've worked in where you could say, Hey, you know, this, this industry works really well, you know, whether it's in the restaurant industry, I know in, in the HR industry or like maybe some unions, you know, definitely like have a pretty vocal seat at the table. You know, Earth has kind of been a trade show that's kind of morphed into like an advocacy group. There's a group called FISO, which is kind of the fitness industry mm-hmm. supplies, supplier association, which hasn't got gotten to a point. And we like those guys and Dinnerman did a nice job of putting together some stats but it doesn't really have like the weight, the lobbyist weight that I think is unfortunately almost a requirement now, you know, in the political and, and media world. So, you know, maybe just I'll leave it at that for a minute. Yeah. I mean, um, to answer that in a little bit of a different way, uh, one company that I believe has a, a way to really um, do something within the fitness industry that's not necessarily like fitness industry specific um, I just actually just connected with these guys, but the it's a company called Bubble, and they they are like better they're like Zoom, but more for like the many on many um, platform. To which, well, the way I see it is with the fitness industry. You know, you mentioned Ursa, and you know, there's all these fitness conferences, right? There's fitness conferences, there's health conferences, there's so many so many conferences out there. Um, and with COVID, you know, we're now we're kind of forced to be at home. We're forced to attend to these conferences virtually. Um, sooner or later, yeah, sure, we could probably go back to attending these, these conferences per se, but probably with the limited capacity, much like the gyms. You know, mm-hmm. we can go back, but it's going to be like on a schedule, but reduced capacity and so forth. So there's going to be virtual options, you know, in the gym, there's going to be virtual options also uh, with these conferences. Um, and I see Bubble in a way to, that there's a great fit to where these fitness conferences and health conferences can host these summits or whatnot, um, have as many people as possible come on board, listen to these thought leaders and these great presenters about particular topics, and then have the ability to go into these breakout rooms to which you could hop back and forth. So I know a lot of times, like I've been, I've gone, I'm sure you have too, where you kind of, you know, you sign up for like, Oh, I need to go to the you know breakout session room one. And you kind of get in there. You're like, Oh man, it really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, I'd have to sit here though. 
and virtually you don't have to do that. And virtually you can kind of go in, you kind of, oh, this isn't really what I thought it was. And then you can break out of that room and you can go into a different room. Um, it has no disruption to the the flow of the the conference. The conference. There's, not, there's not like a like a digital option where you can like sneak out, like, like, <laughs> and I, like you know, like underneath somebody's chair or something. Like, you, you, you slam the door. You like slam the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should have options. Like I'm leaving here. So like you hear a door slam at the back. That's a good idea. I like that. Piss people off. This sucks. No, yeah. but but, but I, I think what that allow allow us to do as uh, you know professionals in the industry is to be able to attend these things uh, more readily without worrying about travel costs, uh, room and board costs, and just worry about wh- why you're going there, which is to learn you know, new, new things, and new content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what, what's your prognosis on the, the bricks and mortar health club industry in general? You know, I, um, I definitely come from a place where people need an omni-channel approach and I, I want to see my instructors you know, be able to show up in my home, but, um, you know, going on 180 days right now, like, um, I'm not, this is not a lifestyle that I intend to continue at yeah. all. <laughs> to- <laughs> Fucking I, done, dude. I, 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 I want out, bro. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree. Uh, you know, like when, when COVID first hit, like, uh, it was actually a nice refreshing change for me, like to be able to exercise at home and spend time with my kids more often, yeah. you know, doing Same. all that stuff. And about three months into it, I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Um, and, and my, and my gym, my, my gym in Los Gatos, they actually opened up cause they have an outdoor CrossFit tent that they opened up to everybody. They brought some indoor equipment outside and stuff. And it's been, it's been fantastic. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling better than ever to be honest. And, um, and I kind of like been thinking about this probably the past couple of weeks, because obviously a lot of the, the, you know, the media is hyping one thing everybody wants to go back to the gym or they'll say the other thing. Nobody wants to go back to the gym. They want to stay at home. And I really firmly feel like after the, the dust settles per se, that a majority of the people will go back to the gym at a reduced capacity. So instead of like four or five days, say it might be maybe two or three and that's fine because I mean, we, we we're kidding ourselves. If we feel like we're going to get the same, value from home fitness as we would at gym fitness because i mean i have like five kids doing homeschool and i'm looking at these kids and i feel so sorry for them because they're all your own kids <laughs> yeah they're my oh, own wow. oh, nice. me, me and my one, one my same my one wife here um, i thought you just randomly picked up some kids yeah. like yeah you want to homeschool with us like hop in dude <laughs> that actually that, that actually would be a good thing but uh, it'd be really nice to be like a netflix <laughs> documentary you know Am Venture Partners in uh, Montessori School at uh, Jeff's. <laughs> That's nice. Bring, uh, bring, your, bring, your, bring your own lunch. But, um, bring your own Wi-Fi so, and bring your own lunch. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I look at them at, at school and like they, they desperately need like that face-to-face interaction with, with their, their friends. Yeah. And we're the same way. We literally are the same way. You know, we can exercise, exercise, exercise at home, doing virtual whatever, but at we start, we, we're going to start to need that mental release, the ability to go to a gym. I don't even care if you don't talk to anybody, but just being around and seeing other people is going to be just like a stress relief. It's going to be just a, a nice thing. So somewhat, somewhat back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the future is, I believe is that 
more people will go back to the gym than we previously anticipated. Um, it, obviously, though, it probably will be with the reduced capacity. And as a result, what's going to fill in the blank will be the things that we've already adopted, whether it's a Peloton or a carbon trainer or whatever it might be that you're using at home. You're still going to use it. It's just probably not as much. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great time, especially kind of the intersection that you're playing in with some of these technology companies that are focused on, you know, maybe the at-home category and having the touch points with physical bricks and mortar companies, because I don't, I mean, I want to believe that a bricks and mortar company can go and hire, you know, some technology people and kind of, you know, change their mindset to say, okay, I'm in the fitness industry of getting people results and I'm not in the bricks and mortar of what goes on inside my club, but it's, it's hard to, I think it's hard to do. And I think like you take a carbon trainer and you partner them up with a regional health club chain, you know, then you really have the ability to say, Hey, look, you can go do your Peloton, you know, or you could do, you know, my carbon edge, you know, workout. We've got all of our trainers that you see every day on the carbon, uh, you know, system or, you know, a mirror partnered up with, a you know, uh, extend bar or what, what have you. And like, to me, that's like, all right, I got my technology partner and that's what they wake up and think about to use your phrase. And I got my bricks and mortar membership partner. They're like my, you know, dis- they're almost like my distribution channel. And both of these kind of work in sync versus, you know, I've heard so many times over the years, like a health club chain say like, hey, I'm building my own uh, billing software. I'm like, dude, call me in five years when that fucking thing blows up. Well, like, Hey, I'm building my own CRM. I'm like, with what, what people here know how to build a CRM, dude, you know? So like, do you think like we're finally at a point potentially where the bricks and mortar guys actually want to talk to the technology guys, technology guys say, Hey, look, I can actually leapfrog the bricks and mortar or maybe these other digital groups because I can now do a, a partnership and it's not, you know, uh, window shopping exercise on either side, like they actually need each other. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, we can just listen to the news in the past few months and like how uh, almost every, every fitness company, every brick and mortar, like just threw, <laughs> threw their arms up in the air and was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Um, obviously, a lot of personal trainers started to quickly go to Zoom and do like one-on-one sessions with, uh, via Zoom. Um, but then slowly and surely, a lot of companies started to re- release their own like virtual virtual way of connecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those companies, whether it's an app or, or whatnot, uh, started to develop partnerships with, a, you know, whether it be a, a health club or, or, you know, whatever it might be. And I think we're at the intersection of it's here to stay, but what does that look like, you know? And for those companies that are looking to, you know, keep their members, like health clubs per se, like what else can they do? I, I, here's an example with Exponential. Like you know, I was talking to Garrett Marshall over Exponential some time ago, uh, July, and you know they were re- releasing the uh, Emerge program. So they have their, you know, their, their Exponential Go platform. It's a way for their members who are normally members of their boutique brands to connect, uh, vir- you know, you should call it digitally or virtually, whatever you want to call it. Um, but then they released the, the Emerge program. And so what it was going to be able to do is it was going to, uh, they were going to partner with particular brands. Uh, one, one in particular, what they wanted to do was partner with Aura, the ring, to measure sleep quality and, mm-hmm. and, and HRV stuff. And then they had some other like dimensions too, like, you know, headspace, mindfulness, meditation stuff, and, and so forth. 
so I think you have like these like exponential, it's brick and mortar, it's boutique brands, franchises, right? And so you have a company like that that's well renowned and it's it's a great company, but they too, they're 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 literally looking for partners to bring in that tech space to to help their memberships. And I think that's mm-hmm. just like an example of what I foresee the future to be with a lot of almost nearly everybody. Yeah, I just saw they did uh they announced them with uh ClassPass and uh like a video, uh, exclusive video partnership. Um, yeah, so it's definitely interesting times in the space. And I think we can actually reach more people. And I think as more and more data comes out about, you know, this uh, invisible COVID, you know, if you're healthy and you take good care of yourself, the probability of that taking you down is almost zero. You know, when you look at like the CDC website before they took it down for political reasons, you know, it said like, you know, this person passed away from COVID, but it said, you know, they were obese or they had hypertension or they had diabetes, which are three things that we don't need a cure for. I got a cure. It's get your ass in the gym yeah. and eat healthy I, and like, that's your cure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think I just read a study like just this morning or, or last night where it was the number one single um, risk factor for like COVID related, you know, I hate to say deaths or just having some very serious complications is related to obese, obesity. Yeah. And then they say, oh, what are these other countries doing, you know, to control it? Well, no one talks about this, but it's the fact that their their populations are not in the same condition that we're in. Yeah. And when they say like, oh, this Asian country, like, you know, has better contact tracing. No, they just don't have a lot of people that are overweight. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I, and I think that's actually going to translate to somewhat like a, of an exercises medicine approach too, with a lot of, a lot of content. Um, you, you know, you can say do fitness and, you know, you be, be fit, but in some regard too, you can use the term exercises medicine, um, not only to treat manage, you know, diabetes or whatever it might be, but also to, to reduce your risk of contracting, you know, coronavirus. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a lot of potential upside here. I think more and more people are going to be living a healthy, active, lifestyle outdoors so we're uh we're glad that you uh, we reconnected with you uh directly here and able to help you uh in your pursuits with your company so we always leave on a uh on a quote so you got a good quote that you uh you have as part of your uh quote library that somebody <laughs> says that's a kazmuya i heard that before well, <laughs> it's not a you know a new quote that no one's probably ever heard but it's something that like i've i remember putting uh, in my kitchen t- t- table, um, our, in our kitchen, we have a little board and, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, January 1st type of thing. I, I, I made the, this cork board sign and it said, just, you'll be amazed at the things you do when you try. I, you know, I put that up for my kids and I put that up for myself and my, and my wife. And it's something that, you know, we look at every day, um, for the year and given the conditions and the turbulence of this, this year per se, right. It's, it's, it sucks. Um, mm-hmm. but what, one thing that we can do is always try and try our best and do hard things. And then when we do that, we can't be unhappy about anything because we're actually, you know, we're growing. And when we grow, we succeed. Awesome. All right, Gannon, let's get seven win-loss calendars out because the Kazmuya family. No problem. <laughs> these win-loss calendars, like every day, you decide whether you win or lose, you'll love it. So we'll send, we'll send you a seven-pack on that. I'll get it out to you, Jeff. Um, yeah, cool. All right, man. Well, great to uh, great to talk to you. I'm glad our uh, our audience here can get a little dose of how to look at early stage companies and maybe think more broadly about how they're doing things and who they're doing it with. And as the industry grows, everybody wins. So uh, yeah. we will be in touch. Let's uh, let's help each other out, help our clients out, and uh, go Halo. Cool. Thanks, David. Thanks, Pete. All right. All right thanks, Jeffrey. Have a good weekend. All right. Later, take bro. care. See ya. Bye.
As we continue to build our Halo Talks email notification database, I want to offer you a free $10 instant gift card from our friends at Promotion Vault. Also to show you how easy it is to offer your members and prospects and clients the ability to get desired actions out of them and reward them in real time, go to halotalks.com, put your email address into the pop-up box, see how it works, get a free $10 gift card from us, and uh, keep listening and making everybody great.